Welcome to Wild Ideas Worth Living, a show where we talk to experts who've taken a wild idea and made it a reality so you can too. From people who have sailed around the world to those who've started thriving businesses and even broken records, some of the wildest ideas can lead to the most rewarding adventures. I'm your host, Shelby Stanger, and I hope you enjoy this show. This is episode 43 with writer, publisher, and surfer, Karen Rinaldi. This episode was brought to you by Keen. On all my greatest wild adventures, I've had a pair of Keens with me. I wore them when I stand up paddled down a portion of the Peruvian Amazon River, when I went tubing through the glowworm caves in New Zealand, and even trekking through the rainforest of Costa Rica. Keen's most known for their Newport sandal. They're made to go in water and on land, but right now they also have some amazing new styles I'm especially excited about. The Terradora collection, for example, was designed specifically for the unique biomechanics of a woman's foot and stride. It was designed so you could trek all through Yosemite or any great hiking destination, and so you could wear them through the city streets, on the beach, and they're stylish enough to wear out after with leggings or jeans. Best of all, Keen is a family-owned company. They're out of Portland, Oregon. They're committed to not only protect the places we play outside, but they also provide numerous grants to causes and difference makers who share their ambitious goals. They support some kick-ass ambassadors as well. You can check them out at keenfootwear.com. That's K-E-E-N footwear.com for more. This episode was also brought to you by Soma Surf Resort in Nicaragua. If you've ever wanted to check out Nicaragua to see the volcanoes, go horseback riding, hiking, or especially surfing, whether you're a beginner or advanced, they have packages for every type of adventurer. We just got back from a surf trip there, surfed the best waves I've ever seen, came home to the most delicious made-to-order food from their restaurant, ate tons of fresh fruits and coconuts, and slept like babies every night. The owners, Bill and Casey, are super cool. If you want to have an amazing experience where everything is taken care of, or even if you're interested in running your own retreats, we're going to be hosting a Wild Ideas Worth Living retreat there next year. Check them out. Go to surfresortnicaragua.com. That's www.surfresortnicaragua.com. You can email them, call them up, tell them you heard about them from the Wild Ideas Worth Living podcast. They'll hook you up or even give you 10% off your first surf package. Karen Rinaldi is a writer, publisher, and the creator of Harper Wave, an imprint of HarperCollins she founded in 2012 and that happens to have published the work of three past podcast guests, Steph Jagger, Mark Lukic, and Jamal Yogas. She's also published tons of books you know of. She did recently books by health gurus like Dave Asprey, the guy who does Bulletproof Coffee, and Dr. Gundry, who wrote Plant Paradox, and so many more awesome books. Karen is also a surfer. She started later in life, almost at the age of 40, and she recently wrote an essay so many people sent to me. It was published in the New York Times, and it's called, It's Great to Suck at Something. I think maybe my friends were trying to tell me something, but the essay has a ton of gems. It's a wonderful essay about her journey with surfing and why it's great to suck at a lot of things. Karen has so many stories. I hope she keeps writing essays and books. She recently published a book called The End of Men, 
It inspired the story for the 2016 film Maggie's Plan, starring Jennifer Aniston. She also recently published an essay in the New York Times about parenting. It received a lot of feedback. I get pretty excited talking to Karen because there's not a lot of mentors I have that are females who are writers, publishers, and also surf. We talk about surfing, why it's important to suck at something, books you should be reading, and the difference between a good adventure and a great story. I hope you enjoy the show. Right. So today we have on Karen Rinaldi. Karen, welcome to Wild Ideas Worth Living. You've been so requested by so many people. Well, thank you, Shelby. I'm so glad to be on the show. What's so cool is I've interviewed three, three of the authors you've published, Jamal Yogis, Mark Lukic, and Steph Jagger. And I didn't realize you were the connection between all three of them. Well, that's fantastic. Yep. They're uh, great books and authors and people, more importantly, all awesome people. Well, I want to start with you. And I think the best place to jump off is surfing because we both share a love of surfing. And I want to know when you learn to surf and kind of what it does for you. Wow, that's a big subject. Um, Yeah, uh, it's, it's crazily one of the focal points of my life, but only relatively recently. So I started surfing 16 years ago, uh, which was late in my adult life. And partly because I'd always wanted to, but was always terrified of um, being far out in the ocean or, you know, past the break. And it took me to, until I had kids, something happened when I had kids where all the things I used to be afraid of, um, sort of went away because I was, <laughs> because I had totally new fears, uh, which was, you know, how do you protect your babies? And so something clicked in me, this is, you know, counterintuitively something clicked and I thought I've always wanted to surf. I just got to try it. I just got to do it. And, and I'm going to get it out of my system and I'm going to take a lesson and that's going to be the end of it. And I can move on with my life. But this gnawing thing for, you know, at that point I was 38 or something. 30, yeah, 38 when I want, when I decided I was going to do this. Then I got pregnant with the second kid and I couldn't do it. And then all of a sudden, shit, I'm 40 years old and I still haven't done this thing. So I, one day I call somebody and I say, okay, uh, I'm a middle-aged mother of two. I'm one of the people that, you know, you can't stand. I really understand it, but I have to do this thing. And then I'm just going to get over it. And he was very kind. This instructor in New Jersey was very, very sweet. And he said, okay, do you snowboard? Nope. Do you water ski? Nope. Do you skateboard? Nope. Do you ski? Do you do anything? I was like, no, I've just been working my butt off for the past four years and having babies and commuting and I'm a big fat mess and I don't even know what to say, but let's just try it. And he goes, okay, we're going to get you up anyway. And I do, I think part of it was just his can-do attitude. He was a very kind soul. And it was a tiny little day in New Jersey. The waves were like, you know, one foot. And he pushed me into waves and I got up and I said, and you know, it's that thing that I think happens to Groms when they're four and five years old and it happens to teenagers and it can happen to you when you're, you know, out of shape and 40 years old. And I got that wave and I went, Oh my God, this is something else. And I didn't expect that to happen. And I ran all the way home um, to tell my husband this, like, I'm going to do this again tomorrow. 
and I had one more lesson, and then the guy never called me back. I kept trying to get lessons. <laughs> he had had it. He never called me back. Uh, and I went, that's okay. And it took me five years, uh, the next five years of paddling out alone, on a, you know, and trying to catch a wave, like, you know, to, on my own, like really catch a wave, not the whitewater. But, and, yeah, five years later, I caught my first, dropped in, you know, navigated through people and had that awesome wave. And then I don't know what kept me going those five years is another story, but um, I knew that it was pretty essential to my life. And so I, my life is pretty much focused around, I mean, I, you know, I do other things clearly because I have a job, but I, you know, I'm in New Jersey. I go to Costa Rica. I have, you know, a, a quiver of 11, no, 11, no, not 11, 20, 20 surfboards. I don't what? even know what. You have 20 um, surfboards? Yeah, crazy. Well, That's because awesome. my son surfs. Okay. My okay. son surfs too. So, you know, I have, you know, I have long boards and he has long and short boards and fishes and stuff. And I only really surf like three or four or five of them. He surfs, you know, he surfs around the whole quiver. And then my son-in-law surfs. And so we just sort of become the repository for like, okay, anybody needs a surfboard, come to the house and so pick cool. one out. Costa Rica. I want to, I want to jump in there. Because oh yeah. There's, there's, first of all, I mean, I, I've been in this instructor's shoes and you watch, I've watched women learn to surf, quit their jobs, divorce their husbands, get new husbands, change their life yeah. after one wave. Totally. I love it. <laughs> I want to know, okay, yep. two things. Yep. One, you wrote this great piece in the inertia about dropping your son off at school and missing yeah. the daily surf check. Two, yeah. you wrote an even more epic piece or equally epic in the New York Times about why it's so important to suck at something. And it's impressive that you learned at 40 or 38. That's awesome. So hands off to you. Tell me why, kind of what surfing has taught you about sucking, I guess. So I I think this was long, sort of a hard one in the sense that I, I kept doing this thing that I couldn't do. And people would (laughs) come to watch me you know, try to paddle out and try to catch waves and miss and try to catch waves and miss. And so many people would ask me, why do you do it? Why are you doing this? And I was like, I don't know. I can't, you know, I'm just driven. Part of it is that because it's so hard, my, I would just, you know, the focus was there. A, B, getting off of terra firma, getting off of land and just sitting in the ocean was, you know, that's your way ahead of the game, just being able to do that. But also being able to, you know, we're so goal-oriented, we're so reward-driven, we carry a lot of shame about the things we can't do well. And I would go out there and be in the lineup with all these people who were much better than I was. And I had to learn that, you know, humility, you know, the, the beauty of humility, and then, you know, the exercise, really, or the practice of patience. And then just not and trying to let go of this desire, right? Thing is, I want to wave, I want to wave, I want. Once I got to the point where I can paddle in and catch a wave and surf a wave and stuff, which is, you know, I can do now, but I still don't catch a lot of them. And so I have to practice this kind of letting go of desire. And I go, the whole process of surfing is being in the water and paddling out. I catch a wave or two or three or five in a session. I don't have to catch 10. I'm okay. And I have to let go. So that practice of letting go of desire and then not being very part of the reason, I'm just not good at it. I will never be good at it because I started too late. And I realized it's just, it's not a reason not to do it. And then I started realizing it's not a reason not to do anything. 
like maybe maybe by doing something over and over again that we're not good at, we learn patience, we learn humility, we learn not to judge others. You know, that's the other thing. It's like me being in the lineup and not being very good. There are some people who are very jerky and mean and aren't kind. For the most part, people are actually pretty, I mean, you know, in New Jersey, the way it sucks so much that, that, you know, people aren't jerks about it. Pretty, you know, I mean, I'm sure a competitive lineup in California would be really hard for me to navigate, but even in Costa Rica, you know how competitive it gets. Everyone really, you know, you get your priority because if you're at the peak and you go and, and I had to be able to paddle for a wave and not catch it and not feel like an idiot because of it. And that was hard. And I learned to be okay with that. And I learned to admit to people like, yeah, I'm not that good at this, but I am going to keep doing it. And I learned, I think, how to forgive myself for the mistakes that I make and the things that actually matter, right? So, you know, I don't need to surf well, right? I'm not, I mean, I need to surf well enough so I don't hurt myself or other people. Um, but I don't really need to surf. I need to do my job well. I need to, you know, do my best to raise my kids well and, you know, be, uh, you know, and be solid in the things that matter. But you don't always, right? So then you time, sometimes you just screw it up and then you, instead of beating yourself up, I sort of have this discipline of going, yeah. So sometimes I suck at the important stuff. So I can, I have found in that a kind of self-compassion and patience and, and also just laughing at yourself because like you're going to you're going to screw up everywhere and it's funny really it's mostly funny unless it's you know it can't really matter you know like it's got to be I always say you can't suck at team sports that's not fair <laughs> you know you can't suck at things that put you in danger so wait um with surfing though has that has that ability to sort of develop compassion and patience <laughs> How has that translated to kind of the rest of your life since you learned? Oh, well, I, a lot. I mean, I think what happens is that, it's, you know, like everything is a practice, right? So you practice this thing. I practice this thing in surfing where I'm not very good at it. And it sort of puts me in a mindset of going, just be, you know, you have to be patient. Um, and so when you feel yourself getting amped about something else, I can actually just almost put myself on the board or put myself in that frame of mind where it's just, just breathe and wait for the wave or wait for your wave or be okay when it doesn't go your way. Be okay when you wipe out, be okay when somebody is drops in on you or says something unkind, that's their problem. And I sort of put it all like, it's almost like framing things in that surfing world and it just, it, it, it's so, it's like a, not a mantra. What would be, it's, it's like a practice. I feel like it's a practice. That's what it feels like. And, and the other thing is about not judging. I think that the other thing is not judging other people to say, you know, man, that person sucks at blah, 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 blah. You know, and I think the idea is that you don't really know where they're coming from. You don't really know how hard it is. Most of the time we judge people. We have no idea how hard something is that we don't do or don't do well, or we don't see the, you know, there's not a lot of transparency. So what I found is like that idea of why don't they just do X, Y, and Z? I go, just what? Why don't, why don't they just, nothing is that simple. And so you find, I find that I have patience also in forgiving, like when I, instead of judging somebody else's efforts that fall short. So I always think like strike, strike that phrase, you know, why don't they just blank? Like hear yourself and you'll hear, you know, we all say it and go, why don't they just what, what, do what? Like it's not, nothing's easy, <laughs> you know? Well, I think, um, I think so. you wrote some piece that I read 
recently as well um, about love. I, I it was actually it wasn't recent. It was a long time ago. It seems like <laughs> modern but, love piece. You mean? Yes. So I, I want to ask you. You know, one. I guess how how is love and surfing go hand in hand? And you've had some interesting experiences with love. Wow, that's a that's a tough one. Uh, um, well, Sorry. I, I no, no, that's a good one. It was a good question. It's a really good question. Um, I think you're talking about the modern love piece that I wrote for the Times, and it's called "What's a Man for?" That piece, yeah, and so I talk you... about past relationships and stuff. Yeah. So, um, maybe you can tell people real quick what that was about, and just briefly. But yes, um, what was it about? That was a question. Um, that I had asked myself because in a woman's life now, she doesn't necessarily need a man to provide, protect, or procreate. Basically, we have our own agency. We can often support ourselves. Uh, I don't believe men ever protected us. So I think that was always a lie. And the procreating part is, you know, we can, you know, we can sort of manage that with just you know, some sperm cells. And that's not to say that I don't think men are important in our lives. In fact, I'm surrounded by the most extraordinary men, sons, father, husband, friends, nephews. I mean, so it's not meant to be um, insulting in any way. It's just asking the question of what's a man for. I think we have to find a new way of partnering. And I wrote the piece because I had found myself when I was 30 years old thinking I was just going to have a baby with a friend of mine and not do the conventional marriage family thing. Of course, it all went wrong because, well, you know, I guess that's what it comes back to is humility. You know, I fell in love with my husband. Um, we got married. I've been married. We've been together for 22 years. And here I am living, a, you know, I have a big family and it's awesome. And it looks conventional from the outside. Um, and talk about humility, right? <laughs> so I'm going like, oh, I don't need a man. And then you're going, well, no, I need a partner though. I need a friend. I need a partner. I need a partner in life. And it's really important. And it's like learning that lesson about, you know, what that is. And, and so in love, I don't approach it as much conventionally as I do in asking some hard questions and then figuring out what it is that you really need. And you could connect that back to surfing. It's like, what do I need? Do I need to surf? Like people think it's cool and beautiful and sexy. And if you saw me, <laughs> saw me do it, it's none of those things. I mean, it's so not any of those things. Um, and you go, well, what am I doing it for? Well, I'm doing it for something else. Connection to nature, getting to the flow, you know, the feeling of the glide, uh, the effort it takes, the humility, and all the things I learned from it. It's all the other things. It's nothing what people think it looks like right people think i surf they go oh that's cool you surf i'm like no if you saw me surf it's so not cool <laughs> you know what i mean and and it's so again it's humbling and i really mean it i mean if you saw i can show, send you a clip of it and you go yeah, okay she's right um but it's the same thing in relationships in a way you think a relationship's going to solve all these problems and really what you do is you go in and it becomes something very specific to what you need and not doesn't fulfill the fairy tale story that you know takes up so much of the narrative right you know, the marriage plot is just crap right and you know most surfers don't surf like you know the people you see on you know the wsl on the circuit <laughs> you know most people are just getting out there and catching a few waves and having a good time so any advice to people looking to find love 
find love. And just being nicer to themselves. Yeah, yeah I think with finding love is just don't don't ever think that somebody else is that finding love means that they're gonna answer questions for you. You know, I think we put pressure on people put pressure on the partnership or whatever that partnership is to think that oh, I'm gonna meet the right person and everything's gonna be great. No, you gotta be great. You gotta be solid alone first. And when you meet somebody else who's solid alone, then you can be together, together, and then you create this relationship. But I always think that if you look to other things to resolve how you, you know, uh, you know, to fix your whatever your issues are, because we all have them, you know, it's it's unfair to put that on another person. But I think in love, you almost have to be, you know, you can rely on the other person and stuff, but you want to try to stand on your own feet and then and then be stronger together, certainly. Uh, in the best of all worlds, but not to put so much crap on the other person and not ever say to about your husband, your wife, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your whatever, you know, I don't know why they don't just do X, Y, and Z. It sort of all comes back around to that same notion of trying not to judge others. And I think that you do that, you get much better at not doing that if you just look at the, you know, if you're humble yourself. And that doesn't mean, by the way, the sucking at something is not about self-criticism and self-doubt and all that stuff. That's not what it's about. It's not about beating yourself up at all. It's no. about sort of, it's sort of, sort of about just getting a good laugh at yourself and also having the right expectations about what you can do and what you can't do. And then not beating yourself up for the things that you don't do. I mean, perfectly is a lie. So, you know, even well say, I love that you're just a fan of not beating yourself up. I think that's such an important thing oh, I had to learn later in life. Yes. Life is messy, right? It's really messy. And that's okay. Like, who, who tells you, like, when did you, why do we ever think that it's not going to be messy? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know, you know, why that's even interesting. It's not even interesting, really. <laughs> it's fun talking to someone from New York. You've got just different energy and, um, and you especially, how did you become, you know, if you can briefly just tell me, you know, how did you get the wild idea to become a publisher and then start your own division? Uh, well, I've been in publishing for a really long time. So, you know, the, the, I, I've been doing this for a while. Um, I got into publishing because I had a head for business and I love the business and I love literature, words, writing. Uh, and publishing is basically the business of books and writing and literature. Um, so that sort of seemed to be a good marriage of the two things. And I've just got into it, you know, not to age myself, but like in 1988, and I walked in the door and said, all right, I'm home. I get this. And then the imprint was the result of me trying to figure out what I want to do in my ripe old age because I had run a small company, and then I ran, well, I became an editor, and then editorial director, and then I became a publisher, and then I was running a company, and then I was running a division of a larger company, and I was getting further and further and further away from the books and the authors, but I got into it for the books, and I thought, I was switching jobs, and I thought, my, my you know, my attorney asked me, you know, what do you want to do when you grow up? <laughs> so I, was, I was then 50. I was like, I don't know. I don't know what I want to do. And he's like, well, you have two choices. You can keep going up the corporate ladder, or you can think about having your own imprint. And having your own imprint means coming back down on the creative side, right? So it's a very different way of working. And 
the way I could surf more. <laughs> you know, being in the corporate structure is very hard. It would have been harder for me to just say, hey, the waves are good. I'm going to go surf today. Where if I have a very small creative, you know, effort in company, I, I mean, not that I do this a lot. I actually don't do it that much, but I do take, you know, time away to, to go surf. And I, I am allowed that in the, in the construct of having Harper Wave. And the, the, the name is, is no, is <laughs> no mistake. Um, and also it gives me the great pleasure of working with authors again. So you mentioned Mark and Seth and Jamal, you know, as my authors and I'm, you know, I get to work very intimately with them. And that's so, it's so incredibly satisfying and, you know, corporate work is really satisfying too in a very different way, but I love books. I love authors. I love talking story story. uh, I can just talk story all day long. And so I sort of came back down on the ground to start the imprint uh, five years ago. And it was definitely the right thing to do. I mean, it's just, it's a blast. So with story, you know, you get to read so many stories from so many great people. And I didn't even realize you, you published Dave Asprey and Dr. Gundry's book. I mean, I've read all these books recently. It's so the only books I've read recently are from Harper Wave. I was like, what? Um, That's weird. That is so crazy. So I love hearing that. Weird. <laughs> that makes me happy. But I didn't know that those were Harper Wave books. So it's super weird. But I, I want to ask you, you know, and ask, this is actually from Steph Jagger. She's like, you know, you really should talk to Karen about so many people want to write a book and so many people I know have gone on these great adventures. So what's the difference between what makes a great adventure and a great story that becomes a book? Yeah, well, a great story could be told about sitting, you know, on your living room couch and never leaving the confines of your apartment. It's the story that you tell is in your mind, right? So I think going on an adventure is one thing that you do and gives you a lot of information and feedback and experience and it's awesome. But story is, uh, there's a great line from um, a novelist named Alan Garganis who wrote a book called Oldest Living Confederate Widow Tells All. This was published, I think, in, I don't know, 89 or 90. And one of the characters, this has always stayed in my head, and one of the, the main characters says, stories only happen to people who know how to tell them. And that's it. Stories only happen to people who know how to tell them. We all have stories. Everybody in the world has a story, which is awesome. We tell our kids, we tell our parents, we tell our friends. You know, story is part of what makes us human, right? I mean, it's just, it is old. And we were doing it in cave drawings and we're still doing it. Um, But books and stuff only happen to people who know how to tell stories. And how to tell a story becomes a skill that takes years and years and just years and years and years to develop that is just it's it's not accidental right it it it, it's it's a great discipline writing a book in a weird way is like you got to put in those 10 years or 15 years and some people can just toss them out most people don't though most people are writing books and putting them away and writing stories and putting them away and it takes years of practice and great study and a lot of reading and so that's a book and you know again it's like surfing it's like I, you know, surfing is the most awesome physical thing I do. I, I wouldn't say everybody should surf because like the, the bar to entry is so high. And the same thing is in writing a book. You can write and write for yourself, by the way. That's the other thing. So it's like I'm talking about publishing. Publishing and writing are two different things. You can write and just put it away. Write for yourself. You know, put the book together. Give it to your kids. 
that's okay. But if you want to write and put it in the world, it has to be part of your life. It has to be part of the bigger construct of your life for that to happen. It doesn't, and it shouldn't, like anything that's worthwhile, doesn't come because you wake up one day and say, hey, I've got a great idea for a novel. I think I'll write it. You know. (laughs) So how do you get over... I want to know, you know, writing is scary. It's hard, but it's also <laughs> scary, especially when you write about family. In that one, it was either Modern Love or it was an opinion column in the New York Times. You wrote about your husband, who, ex-husband who died of HIV, and you told yeah. some personal stories. And that takes yeah. a lot of chutzpah or balls. That or took me courage. thirty. That took me thir- That took me thirty years to write that. Thirty three zero to write that. I kept that inside for 30 years. So yeah, it takes a lot. <laughs> it takes a lot. And you have to make a decision. And by the way, I got crap for it. People are like, you kept his story for, you kept his secret for so long and then you revealed the secret. It's like what they don't know is, what people don't know is the story behind the story, which is pretty harrowing, right? And that's the other thing is that there's stories and then there are the stories behind the stories and you have to decide what you're going to tell. And what is okay to tell and, and how you want to tell it and what you're trying to say. Um, so, yeah, there's, there's that stuff. Putting yourself out there like that is, you know, is it scary? That's a really good question. Um, I thought it was when I was younger. I don't feel like I'm that scared anymore. But I think I, there's a reason why I'm only publishing now after writing for 30 years. I've been publishing and writing for 30 years. I only started publishing, you know, getting my own work out there recently. And I, I really believe <laughs> that sucking and surfing has given me the courage to do that. And I also had a, a health scare a couple of years ago. And that'll get you not to be afraid of anything. <laughs> you know what I mean? You just like, you get a cancer diagnosis and you're going, Screw everything. Like, what's going to scare me? If that doesn't scare me, I'm good. <laughs> totally good. Well, so, I'm yeah. glad you're okay. And I'm glad you're yeah. sharing these stories because they are good. I'm going to put them all in the show notes if that's okay with you. I think they're just great pieces on love and love. Oh. And even your piece on the inertia. I was so excited that you write for the inertia. Those guys are, <laughs> those guys are great. Um, you know what? Those guys are so great. And I thought there is no way they're going to they're going to run a piece by a middle-aged woman slapping her kid off of college. It is so not cool. This is so not like of it. it. There's nothing surfing hipster about it. And they loved it. And they were so sweet and supportive. And I thought, God, I love this publication. Like, yes, you guys are, you know, you guys are awesome. Thank and, you. Um, inertia one, no. Zach. Yes. Joe. Thank you. Inertia. I love, oh, I mean, I'm a huge fan. I mean, I am a devoted, devoted follower of the inertia, but you know, I was sort of was a closeted one because I thought you don't want to know that, you know, this like, you know, publisher, 50 year old publisher is reading it in New York. Like, what? but no, they're not, you know, that's clearly not how they think at all. But so I, you know, I, you know, I wind up beating up on myself a little bit, you know, when I don't need to. You're from New York. I feel like that's like what New Yorkers do. <laughs> yeah. We're just kind of going like, you know, I'm not special. I know where I stand. I mean, you sort of all you know where you are in the hierarchy of the world, <laughs> which is basically you. nowhere, right? Uh, no, <laughs> we're nowhere. New Yorkers are awesome. But that's okay. My dad was a Brooklyn New Yorker, so I've got a lot of respect oh, for New Yorkers. Oh, that's fantastic. So yeah. what routines do you have? Like, besides surfing, you know, do you have, you know, like Elizabeth Gilbert talks about this, like, magic that just comes 
from her and hits her and then she writes and it just comes out like unicorns and puppy dogs. Like, do you have any routines or rituals <laughs> that you do that makes life flow easier or maybe it is just surfing? I would say that it's not a routine, but the most essential part of my life would be my 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 kids. I mean, my boys, they have, that has brought me to my knees in my life as a, yeah, I always thought I was sort of, um, you know, a hard ass and uh you know I could take anything and then my sons were born and that sort of shifted like I said they got me out of my fear of the ocean weirdly but somehow it's like going you know okay it's it, all bets are off everything shifted once they came and they are the most delightful surprise in life and I'm blessed in the deepest way with them and that is huge that's everything so when I can surf with them you it's like i am just a stupidly happy person <laughs> that to me is like you just put your arms around the most important things in the world and you know i get to do that every once in a while and it's amazing that's so cool and the fact that you said your stepdaughters like you love you well i hope so you're, you're doing <laughs> something so. pretty them. epic <laughs> I don't know. That's I love tough... them. I hope, I hope they love me back. But yeah, it's we're a... pretty tight. Yeah. It's tough yeah. to be. A... I think that's awesome. Your kids are your world. I love that. And they are awesome. Yeah. It's just and it incredible. sounds like that's, that they've been so impactful in helping you get over fears and your writing and, and everything kind of. But you're a badass from the beginning, I can tell. So I just have this randomness. Um, you know, I'm so curious because you published. Dr. Gundry's book and Dr. Asprey's mm -hmm. book or Dave Asprey's book. Dave, yeah. Bulletproof. I don't totally subscribe to all of these, but you also then published like all these cool vegan and plant books that I like literally have on my radar. And I don't know. It's so yeah. interesting. Which of these do you subscribe to? Like do you subscribe oh, to any of that's interesting. Yeah, that's, you know, I get all, a lot of the information from the, you know, from the greatest experts. I mean, I feel... Like, you know, having access to these amazing minds. And I pay attention to all of them. I do think that as you have to listen to your body, what your body needs, what it wants, uh, it tells you um, if, you're, if you're really listening and paying attention. And what I do is I take all of the information in and then I try to follow what – and I test things, right? And I test – you know, or am I, do I have a lectin, you know, are lectins hurting me, you know, particularly does wheat hurt me? You know, do I need to put butter in my coffee? Do I need to do these kinds of exercises? Do I, am I vegan? Am I vegetarian? Do I just eat clean protein and, and vegetables? And I kind of go around. So what I mostly do is just eat as much, well, I want to say clean food as I can, you know, eat as many, eat whole foods, eat as many plants as I can because I love them. You know, I do eat protein. I do eat animal protein. I don't eat a lot of meat, but I love fish. So I eat a lot of it. I will always opt for that. Um, I'll opt for veggies and fish first, no matter what I'm doing. And then if there's meat, I will eat it. If there are, if there's awesome bread, I, and olive oil, I'll just eat, you know, many pieces dipped in olive oil and I'll just go with it and I'm fine with it. But I just try to be, I think everybody is right and no one is absolute in a way. You know, you don't eat, you know, you just don't eat the stuff that you know is just crap. Yeah. I don't drink soda. I don't drink 
any sugary. I actually, the less sugar I eat, the more of an aversion I get to it. This has been an interesting thing because I do believe that we're so over-sugared in ways that we don't even understand. So I really pulled that out of my diet. That's probably the thing I, you know, hydrate, (laughs) don't eat, you know, sugar and processed foods. Those are the things that's like, absolutely, that's a no-brainer. I love that you're publishing these books. I love that there's all this talk about nutrition. It's confusing, but at the same time, it's so cool yeah. that it's out there. And so many people are trying new things and they're questioning, you know, the TV dinners and that science was science was better with food and packaged food is better. And, and I think that, you know, we're returning to a lot of beliefs and practices we had in the old days. And I think it's really cool. So thank you for, for all yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a lot simpler in a way than it seems when you look at all of the literature because it is confusing. Karen, what, you get to work with so many great authors and you've read so many books. What are, what are some books I should take to Nicaragua? I've got your book, by the way. Oh, oh wow. You're going to. Okay, that's fun. That'll be that'll, that's a quick read. You're, you're going to go surfing in Nicaragua, right? I'm going to surfing in Nicaragua. So when this comes out, I'll have yeah. already come back from surfing in Nicaragua. But I'm going for a week to Nicaragua at Soma Surf oh, Resort. Oh, awesome! What did you read? Um, you know, have you if you're going to be on a surf trip, have you ever read the book um, Breath by Tim Winton? No, Do you know that book? Jamal actually recommended uh, that, or somebody recommended <laughs> it recently. Right. Okay, okay, because it's so beautiful, and it's it's just one of the great novels that nobody's heard about. He's he's Tim Whitten's very big in Australia. He's not that big in the states, and he's clearly been a lifelong surfer. And he doesn't usually write about surfing, but Breath has surfing in it that is the best writing about surfing. I mean, that's what. So if I mean, if if you take it, get just get a copy of Breath. Okay. And any books it's just so good. on life or anything else that you just love recently? Oh, um, I mean, I think Rebecca Solnit is the most kick-ass voice in, for, you know, women writing. So if, you know, any of her books, you know, are, you know, Men, Men Explain Things to Me is one of my favorite books of all time. The Mother of All Questions is really good. Okay, so there's those. And then the other one, oh, yeah, I, I could talk all day. Now we can talk for another three hours about books and books I love. So it depends on what you're looking for. I mean, Rebecca Solomon is just How, a shining light. She sounds awesome. In, and I haven't even read she, her yet, so I'm excited. She's important. She's really important. You need to, you definitely have to read her. You know, I don't know if you're going to read her on vacation, but you definitely have to read her. She's hugely important. And then have you read the, um, the Elena Ferrante um, Quartet, the no. Neapolitan Quartet? Okay, so this is fiction, though. I don't know. So, oh, you weren't, but it doesn't matter. It's fiction, but it's really powerful stuff. So, Eleanor Franke is really great. Um, what about for, for people, in- people, list, the listeners here? They're all wanting to live more wildly and sort of do something that's a little scary. Is there any books you recommend? Yeah. Live more wildly? Um, living wildly. I think. I mean, I love a lot of books on surfing because surfing is huge. So you've got Thad Zielkowski, sorry, and um, James Nestor. Um, you know, that's called Deep. That's really wonderful. There's Susan Casey's The Wave, which is amazing. You know, read Bruce Chatwin. And, you know, there are, you know, there are sort of classics in adventure and, 
and the, oh God, what's that? there's one book about the guy. No, I'm not going to remember it. You can find it easily. He climbs, he climbs every major mountain and surfs every major wave around the world. And it's a really wonderful book about climbing and surfing. And it's called, oh man, I'm not going to remember it. But if you look up, you, you can find it. Um, definitely. If anybody, anybody listening is interested it's real. That's a really great book. I'm so sorry, Mr. Author, that I can't remember your name. Um, too many in my head. Um, are you looking it up? Yeah. What, what books did you read as a kid that kind of most influenced you? Um, I read, this is crazy, but I read over and over and over again, Joy Adamson, her book on raising lions in Africa and there's a story called Born Free and then she wrote these follow-up books and I read those over in fact well, I grew up thinking that I was going to be an animal conservationist in Africa uh, for a lot of my when I was a kid because I love these books so much they're hugely influential so interestingly they were nonfiction, and I thought that she was you know an adventurer and she was bold and she was living this interesting life and she was fierce. So, you know, sort of the life of a Diane Fossey, you know, or, you know, just, just going out and, you know, protecting wildlife. So I loved both. Um, another adventure book would be Susan Casey's um, book about the Farallon Island sharks. That's amazing. No, I'm not thinking of, I'm just get you go to my bookshelf. No, that, that's okay. The these, that are, these are more than enough <laughs> books. Thank you. And, and I'll ask you for more yeah. in the show notes and you can just send me an email. And we'll put them all in there. What, what advice if you, I don't know what you were like as a 15 year old kid. I'm guessing you read a lot of books, but if you could go back and tell this 15 year old Karen one piece of advice, what would you tell her? What would I tell her? I would tell her not to be afraid of the ocean and that the ocean is a wondrous place. And as long as you respect it, uh, that you should be in it and learn more about it. I mean, that is my one regret is that I was so afraid of it that I, I was at its edge and in the shallow waters, but didn't venture out because I think it's a great metaphor for everything. I wasn't afraid. I wasn't afraid of a lot of things as a child, but that was one. And I think that that fear was metaphysical. I really do. And I, I think it, it was steeped in a couple of things. And um, I was afraid of not having a great enough intellect. And I always thought that people were smarter than I was. And so I would say that if any kid out there is 15 and thinks that everybody around them is smarter than they are, that's just crap. Like, Go read, go learn, go adventure. And, you know, that's just not true. And, you know, especially for women, I think they get, um, they get a little bit hammered in that place. So that would be my, my advice to my 15 year old. So go, you know, read more books, get in the ocean. <laughs> everything and everything will be okay. So you can fly <laughs> one of those cool planes around Osara with the banner, an eco-friendly plane and it had a banner behind it. What would your message to? It went all around the world, New York, Costa Rica, and, and everywhere else, even even North Korea. Um, what would your message to kind of the world be right now? To the world, or to oh. just be to all surfers, or we we yeah. don't have to go that broad. The, the world, world's the world's a little crazy so right now. Pro- yeah, <laughs> the world has so many problems that you know my message is going to sound you know 
minuscule and trite probably to the world where, you know, people are, you know, we've got, there's so many big problems. Um, but if it were just going to be to a, you know, our world. a community, our world, which is yes, very privileged. Um, um, I, I, I mean, I'm not kidding about the suck at something thing. I think it's just, I think getting your head around, it's great to suck at something and not to beat yourself up for it, but to just have fun with it. I believe that the world would be a happier place. I really do. I think if we all just took up whatever it was, you know, true pottery or, you know, took up bicycle racing or, you know, plates, whatever it was that, you know, baked cakes, even if they looked ugly, whatever it was, you know, that you feel like, oh, I can't do that because you hear it from adults all the time. Oh, I would love to do that. I just, I can't, or I wish I could. And you're saying, well, you, you can. You're like, well, I won't do it well. So what? And as soon as you put that light on, you throw that, you flip that switch, people go, oh, yeah, I'm, I am going to take up the flute or whatever, <laughs> you know, or guitar at, you know, 60. And I, that's what I would say is just like, go out and suck at something and have fun. I love that. That's what I would advice. tell people. I love that, Karen. <laughs> it has been so great having you. Thank you so much for sharing your ideas. And thanks for supporting all my buddies and these great authors. I love it. Wow, you've got a great, you've got a great, great show. And I think, you know, clearly, you know, people are looking to break free a little bit. And I think you are helping people to do that. So, you know, awesome work that you're doing. That's what it's all about. Thank you so much for listening to the show. Karen, thank you for sharing all of your wild ideas with us and for bringing so many great stories including your own, into the world. For those of you listening, Karen sent me a list of additional books she thinks might resonate with listeners of this show. I'll have all of Karen's writings as well as her recommended books on living more wildly in the show notes. Thank you to the sponsors who support this show. Thank you to all the listeners who share their sh- this show with friends, write reviews on iTunes, and just enjoy it. Wherever you are in the world, I hope you remember some of the best adventures often happen when you follow your wildest ideas. We'll see you next week.